I'm wrapping up this series right now called Stressed Out. It is ending today. Today's the last message. So if you're tired of being stressed out, if you have all the hair pulled out of your head, you know, just today's the last day, so it's going to be pretty easy as we wrap it up. But this has been a good series. I've enjoyed it. Last week, I know that we had some audio problems, so it didn't get recorded. We had some challenges. But the first two weeks, if you missed those, you really, really need to go back and get the podcast and listen to those, go online and hear the messages. But today, I'm talking about what's called the perfect storm. The perfect storm. I, I, I didn't know what a perfect storm was until I saw the movie. Have you all seen the movie, The Perfect Storm? Oh, what is it, about 10 years old or so? But that is an intense movie, and it's where these two storms come together, and then everything goes crazy, and that's what I'm talking about today. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy about sharing this message with you, and I, I just also am happy to say I have a very clear head today. See, because originally I was trying to get out of preaching today, thinking, uh, you know, I'd rather not because I knew I was going to be at the dentist on Friday, and the dentist was doing all these crazy things up in my jaw and all this stuff, and I thought, if I have to be on pain meds, the last thing you want is me preaching, but the good thing is, is I just kind of feel like somebody socked me in the jaw, and that's about it, so it doesn't really hurt all that bad. So, good dentist. But, uh, but, but but it's, it's funny, I do have a little story associated with that, with, with taking medicine. A few years ago, uh, go ahead and get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter number 14 while you're, while you're uh, waiting here. But a few years ago, when I was uh, pastoring my church, we had this evening gathering, and, uh, and I had come home that um, in the afternoon, I've had this he- horrible headache. And so I went to the cabinet and looked for some medicine. I saw Tylenol, pulled some out, popped a few in my mouth, and, and went back to church and, and was going to preach and got up there and preached. Man, I started feeling good. I just feeling, was feeling great. And, and I, I, I went through the message. I, it just got really hot on the platform. Couldn't figure it out. But, but just, I kept thinking, why don't they turn on the air conditioner here? But I, I was having a good time. I had my notes in front of me. I always preach with notes because I'm ADD and I I know that if I don't have my notes, who knows what I'm going to preach about. But, but I noticed the time, and, the t- and, and my whole time had gone by. The whole time was expired, and, and, uh, and I looked at my notes, and I was still on page one, and I thought, I don't know what's going on here, but oh, whatever. And so we just kind of, I kind of closed the message, and we had prayer. And I remember I stepped off onto the floor to pray with some people, and I told one of my staff members, I said, man, I, I'm feeling really, really tired. I, I'm going to leave and go home. You guys finish this up and wrap up the service. So I went out, jumped in the car, went home, and I was literally slapping my face on the way home. It wasn't a long drive, but I was just like, i got to stay awake. This is crazy. What's going on? Went straight home, just bam, went to bed, got up the next morning happy and everything. Well, I got up the next morning, one of my elders had sent me this email saying, Pastor Tim, that was the craziest message ever last night. He said, you didn't talk about really anything, but you stood up there and told jokes the whole night, and we had the best time, and we laughed, and, 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 and then people came up and got prayed for, and God touched people, but that was just weird. And, 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 and I thought, that was weird. I don't even remember any of that. And, and, so, and so I was telling my wife, she said, well, what did you take? I said, Tylenol. She goes, which Tylenol? I said, what do you mean, which Tylenol? And, so, and there was some like Tylenol PM stuff or whatever that... And, 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 and I had taken some of those, and I, did, I had never taken anything like that since, or before or since, and I, had, I guess I have a high sensitivity to that kind of stuff, and so I was up there just happy. I was high on drugs, just preaching. The, so the good news is today, I'm not that way, but, uh, but today I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about this thing called the perfect storm, and, uh, and it, as I was preparing the message, it kind of took me back to something that I did about 14 months ago. Many of you guys know this uh, who, when you were with us at that time. About 14 months ago, I took my three oldest sons. Well, actually, they're all my oldest sons because they're 
there, that would have been my three sons, all three sons of mine, I took them down with me into the Grand Canyon. We started at the north rim of the Grand Canyon, hiked all the way down to the river, and then hiked out to a camping spot and came back. It was a, it was a long, very, very intense, very physically grueling uh, test of, of, of endurance and strength. And, and, uh, and I, was, I was excited about doing it. We had read all the pod, we had listened to all the podcasts, we had read all the, the information about it, we had prepared, had our supplies, ready to go, ready to make it happen. And, and we had our backpacks weighed. And, and it was funny because I, I remember that I was telling Mayor Price, she was speaking at Marketplace Church the, like the right before we left. And I said, I said yeah, I'm, I'm heading out of here tomorrow to, to do this, this Grand Canyon hike. She said, oh, great, great. She goes, oh, I did. I, I hiked from rim to rim. And she goes, I did it with a 40-pound pack. I went, I'm not going to let that woman show me up. And I said, I said, she goes, how heavy is your pack going to be? And I said, oh, it'll probably be 40, maybe a little more. And so then I added more. I, had, I put 50 pounds on my pack. I never should have done that. That was stupid, okay, and very dense. But we went down into the canyon. And I, I'll never forget this because we had everything planned. And you know when everything's going for, according to plans, things are good, but everything was planned. Every situation was mapped out that we could think of. And, and we were going down in about two miles down, my oldest son Preston said, Dad, I have a bad feeling about this. I don't know if we should do this. And, and I, I talked to him the other day about it. I said, why did you say that? He said, Dad, it's because we kept walking and walking and we were going down, 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 but we were going nowhere. And, and it was just, how do you get to the bottom of this thing? And it just felt like it was forever. And it was forever. So we started off, it was about 35 degrees at the very top of the, of the north rim, which is pretty chilly at night. And we left about 5 a.m. before dawn and, and started descending. And we descended and descended you know, all the way down to the bottom where it's, it's, it's really, it's in the hundreds down there at the bottom. And it's not too pleasant. It's very hot. We, we were prepared for it. We were prepared. We were doing all the right things. But after a while, you kind of forget about doing the right things. All you want to do is get to the river. You just want to get to the end. And, and, uh, and th- we were just going along. And all of a sudden, I just heard this scream behind me. Ah, I can't take it anymore. I, my head is burning up. Ah! And, and it, was, it was my oldest son, Preston. And, and it, that, that is exactly, oh my, that is how you did. It was crazy. See, you can't remember because your brain was messed up at that time. But, but it, was, it, was, it was intense, and I, I, walked over, I went over to him like, what's the deal? And I pulled his hat off, and he said, you know, we're, we have to have these bandanas that are soaked with water to keep you cool. And I was like, you're totally dry. What are you doing? And, you know, just, and, and just, just dump water on him, and he's screaming, I just want to die. Forget it all. Like, no, don't, don't, don't. I'm realizing then, according to our training, that when you start to get dehydrated and you're in the sun, or you're in the Grand Canyon, you start thinking foolish thoughts. You're like, hey, I'm just going to go walk off the cliff, and everything's going to be okay. And, and so, so we finally get him all rescued, and, and we took about a three-hour break, and and, and, and he, you know, he, he ended up being okay after it was all over with. And, and then we had to hike another two miles, two and a half miles back up into a campsite. And it was, it was 11 p.m. when we got to our campsite, 11 p.m. Finally got our little tent set up, and, and then I started calculating how long it was going to take us to get back, not realizing the, how challenging the hike really was. I'd, I'd heard all about how challenging it was, but really, really it was more challenging than I had expected. And and we were we were in that place, and I, I started calculating everything. I'm realizing we're going to have to leave here at 3 a.m. 
if we're going to be back up at nightfall, because I don't want to get stuck at night at the very, very, you know, trying to go up to the top when the temperatures are dropping again, I, I, I want to, we're going to have to leave at 3 a.m. That's the only way to make it out. So, so we got up 3 a.m. And, 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 and did our very best to get going. And, and coming out of there, it's, it's, it's sobering because, because the place where we, where we were camping, we're camping in the backcountry. There are little trails that are out there, but I'm telling you, there are areas that are washed out on the trail. And if you step on any of those little areas, you, you, you go down. It's just, it's, you, you, you go down, you go off the edge. That's really the way it was. And, and so it was this deal of watching and walking and with our little forehead flashlights. And I was using the trekking poles just to keep my balance because I didn't realize it, but I, I discovered on that trip that I had knee problems. Glad I had this. I found out later that I had this thing called knee tendon bursitis. And, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's not, not very good. It just kind of makes your, your knees go out. And, and so I was kind of using my poles to keep my balance and, and, and basically work as crutches on this, on this uh, crazy trail. And, and every step, it's just like watch each step. Keep your flashlight and your, your head, you know, pointed on the, on the ground. And if I'd see a washed out spot, I'd tell the guys behind me, hey, the guys, there's a washed out spot. Take a really big step up here. And, and then you just do it and you don't look down. Well, you can't see down because it's dark anyway. And, and, and the thoughts of it, it's like, you know what? We could fall off here and die. We could, this, this is not very safe. Uh, do we have enough water to get back to the next place where we can actually pick up more water? Do, are we going to make it out of here alive? And I had to make the choice. I, you know, we're, we're going to get out. But I, I decided we're going to get out alive all of us, and we're going to thrive at the same time. We're going to find a way to do that. So we, we created this plan. We kind of leaned into each other the whole time. And, and it was a crazy, crazy time. And it was one of those things where, where you just look at what else could go wrong. And, and, uh, and I, I couldn't, couldn't really walk. I kind of had to drag my feet up to, you know, just, to, just to take each, each additional step. Devin then, near the end of the hike, he, he falls and sprains his ankle. And so his ankle's all swelling up. And, and then you have Preston, he, have, he has cramps in his legs. And every, all three of us bigger guys are all just maimed. And then you have Ian, my youngest, and he's just going whistling along, having a good old time, smiling and being happy. And, and I'm like, man, that boy has got it all together. He made it way up to the top of the, of the North Rim long before we did. And just to sit in there waiting, come on, guys. We're limping up into the top going, oh, we're making it. We were such wimps, man. I tell you what. But, but it, was, it was like everything came together. Even though we were prepared, even though we had all the plans together, things popped up, which, which almost really created this perfect storm for us. Some of you guys are in a perfect storm. Things are collapsing in your marriage at the same time while you have financial problems and then there are occupational problems, problems with your work or your job or your company and then, and then you're dealing with some physical issues coming in from the side as well and then there's some emotional challenges and some spiritual issues and all this stuff starts swirling around and you're realizing that everything seems to be out of control. I'm in the middle of this perfect storm in my life. And some of you are right there right now, which is what I want to talk with you about. You see, in this passage of Scripture that I'm going to read with you in just a moment, Jesus was kind of in that himself. His, his cousin, John the Baptist, had just had his head taken off. He was executed by, by, uh, by having his head removed from his body by, by the government officials of that day because he was a preacher of the gospel. And 
word had just gotten to Jesus that this had happened. And John the Baptist was his forerunner. John the Baptist was his cousin, so he lost a family member. He lost a, a person who was doing great things for ministry. And he gets out of this setting, and all these people come out to hear him. They don't even have food, so he, that's when he creates the, the meal for 5,000 men, not including women and children. It was for everyone. It was a huge, huge miracle. We've all read and heard about that miracle. But, but when it was all over with, he really needed to get away by himself, and he wanted to get alone. And so he told the disciples, hey, you guys tear out of here. I need some alone time, just me and God. I got to kind of pull some things together in my heart and in my mind. And we pick up this story in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And I'd like for you to follow along with me. It says in Matthew 14, 22, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, after Jesus had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And this is how, where he would find his place of solitude, time of being locked in with God, kind of a time to reboot himself emotionally and spiritually. Remember, Jesus is 100% man. He's also 100% God, but he is 100% man. He's 100% human. So he feels things. He deals with things just like us. So he's alone up there on the mountain by himself praying. This is later that night. He was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So keep in mind, these men, these disciples of his, and these were young guys. Some of them were fishermen. So they were very adept at using uh, uh, boats. They knew how to make this work. And, but, but, but they were out there, and the, 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 the wind and the waves kept hitting them and hitting them and hitting them. So they've been fighting this. They're fighting this at night. They'd been up all day. They had been up all day doing work. In fact, they had fed 5,000 people plus, and you know, it could have been up to 15,000. We don't know how many people were there, but, but, uh, but they, they had fed all of these people, and it had just been a hard, long day out in the sun and doing work and ministry, and now they're in a boat, and everything's going bad, winds, storms, and, and, and it's not the kind of boats we have today. Keep in mind, these, are, these little boats would probably fall apart much easier than ours today. And they're out there, and really it has the makings of a perfect storm because they're exhausted, they're tired, stressed out, physical circumstances working against them, the weather working against them. And, and then it says in Matthew 14, verse 25, it says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. Do you catch that? Shortly before dawn. This is the next morning almost. This is early. So they have been out there fighting this thing all night in the dark. And Jesus was walking to them on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they began screaming out in fear. So here they are, tired, wore out. They're in this boat in a storm and it's Things are going bad, and now what's worse is they see what they believe to be a ghost. 
they, they, they see this. Now, it's, it's Jesus. But can you imagine? Here's 12 grown men, you know, tough guys, and they're all screaming, it's a ghost. Help me, Mommy. You know, what am I going to do? And they were screaming and, and just, just shaking. And, you know, they were probably hugging each other and holding on to each other. It's a ghost. What are we? They're in a panic in the boat. Again, the waves are coming over the boat. The wind's hitting them. They see a ghost. This is their perfect storm. And they begin to melt down and fall apart. It's interesting. When Jesus gets there in verse 27, it says, But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I want to look at those eight words again. Three sentences. Eight words. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Those words really sum up everything I'm talking about today because this is really, I believe, what God tells us during our perfect storms. And if you're having stormy days right now, what God wants to do is he wants to transform your fear into courage so that you will know this and be confident of this, that God is with you in your storm. Just like the disciples, so many of you, you're doing good things. You're, you're doing God's work and you're giving, you're living right and you're serving and maybe you're leading a group or you're helping out at work day, you're serving your neighbors and your community and, and, and storms come and they hit you. And, and I, I'll tell you what, when, when, when you're doing all the things you're supposed to do and the storms start hitting you, sometimes it's an easy thing to do is say, God, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I'm doing all the right things. What's wrong here? Why is this happening? I don't think this is fair, God. Some of you feel that way right now, and you're looking around going, I don't even feel God. I don't even sense God. God doesn't seem like he's around, and I feel like the end is near. And then your minds begin creating this worst-case scenario of everything that could potentially happen to you. And, and fear has basically set the stage, and, and, and it's about as crazy as it can possibly get. So there's this little formula that I have for you, and I call this my fear formula. It's really given to us in the Bible, and it's this. Follow with me here. A hardened heart plus a perfect storm equals fear. Now, that's my formula that I came up with from the Scriptures, but a hardened heart plus a perfect storm equals fear. Now, every one of us experience waves of of fear, but what happens is fear can monopolize on something called a hardened heart. And I want to talk to you about that for a second here because we, we, we actually all deal with hardened hearts from time to time. In fact, in the book of Mark, it tells us that, about this situation. It says, they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. For their hearts were hardened. This is talking about the disciples. Their hearts had been hardened, so they were, they were amazed at the miracle that had just happened. They didn't know what was going on. This used to, um, this used to really confuse me. Why is this in the Bible about them having a hard heart? And it's like, come on, these are God's servants. They're working so hard for the Lord. And, and why do they have a hard heart? It doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I know that like Pharaoh, God hardened his heart. But what, what does that have to do with, with, with these guys? And, 
And then I just begin to realize like we all have hard hearts. So I began studying the Bible and I like to do this because I think that it can give us a better picture of what's actually happening. If you'll just take a look at every place in the Bible, it talks about a hard heart. And I began learning more and more about it. And, and, and one of the things that I found was, was this, this situation that, that we found in the Bible about what it really means to have a hard heart. And first of all, the, the disciples, they really had a hard heart because they were kind of just looking at this miracle thinking, uh, you know, John the Baptist just died. Jesus, why couldn't you prevent that? And, and now you're making tuna sandwiches for everybody and, and kind of making fools of us all here. This is weird. It's a strange miracle. And please understand, we look back and say, oh, that's such a wonderful miracle. But at the moment, the disciples, they're kind of going, what in the world is this? What in the world is happening here? You have to put, they hadn't yet read the story. They didn't know how the Bible was written. So, so they're looking at all this thinking, my goodness, what a crazy set of circumstances and and they had this hard heart. Here's really what a hard heart is. It's, it's when the what-ifs control our emotions, although we should know better. I'll say it again. A hard heart is this. It's when the what-ifs control our emotions. The truth is, we should know better, and we do know better. And so when the what-ifs start to control us, it begins to pull us down. It's where you say, well, in my storm, what if she's having an affair? What if I have cancer? What if we get laid off? What if terrorists come to Fort Worth? Or what if the economy crashes? Or what if, what if, what if? And we become controlled by the what ifs, and then we have a hardened heart. And this is a perfect setup for when the storms come to cause fear in our life, and that fear will cripple us and hold us down, and we can't move. I'm going to tell you, when we were down there in that canyon that I was telling you about, I, I had to push back every what if, because I'm telling you, the what ifs were, were coming through my mind constantly. And, and I, but I had to focus on the issue that was at hand, focus on what's going on, Focus on the objective. Focus on that next step. We've got to take one more step. We have to take one more step. In fact, we found that to actually be the way we got out of the canyon. It was just this simple thing. Just take one more step. Be careful. Take one more step. Be careful. Take one more step. Just keep moving. Keep moving. And we had to push away the storms of the what-ifs that were going through our minds. We're going to get out alive, and we're going to thrive, but it's not going to be easy. Now, see, one of these good descriptions of a hardened heart I actually find, found in the Old Testament. I just want to share with you briefly about it because it helps us to make a little more sense of this. In the book of Psalms, chapter number 95, it talks about this. It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah. And, and what happened at Meribah was when Moses was leading his, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And they'd been, they, they wandered in the, the desert for a total of 40 years, but they ended up in this crisis. And the story is found in the book of Exodus chapter 17, but they were thirsty. They were in the desert. I understand that. But they came to some water. They were excited. Water, water, water. But they didn't have the cool little water filter that I have, which filters out all impurities and all, <laughs> all nastiness. They had no water filters. They had no way of doing this. The water was bitter or it was rancid. It was poisonous. They couldn't drink the water. It was a swampy, nasty water that was there. And, 
and they're just, they just went crazy. They, they, got, they get angry at God. They got angry at Moses. They started yelling at Moses. And in fact, they didn't even start believing they were being led by God anymore. And I'm telling you, when you're in a perfect storm and everything's going against you, you're thinking, am I even hearing from God anymore? Is God in charge of this thing? Because I don't know. I, can't, I don't know if I can trust my leaders. I don't know if I can trust God. I'm, I feel alone in this situation. I'm stuck. And the people started griping and complaining. And they're like, we're all going to die. We're going to die. The what ifs started taking over. It was interesting because even Moses uh, uh, got in on it. And, and the, the what ifs of, of you know, we're, we're, we're thirsty, we're in the desert, we have no water. And, and then Moses started griping and complaining because the people were griping and complaining when he gave in to, his, to a hard heart as well. And there, there they all were. So if a, if a hard heart caving into the what ifs is possible for Moses it's possible for God's children in Israel. If it's possible for the disciples, it is very possible for us. Our hearts get hard when we allow these what-ifs to take over. All of these scenarios that you keep playing over and over in your mind, they come together and they stop you and they hold you down and your heart gets hard. That's why when you're in your perfect storm, we need to get some storm survival, survival skills. And I think one of the best storm survival skills is exactly what Jesus introduced, and that's where we take fear and turn it into courage. See, if you're going to get rid of a hard heart, if you're going to stop succumbing to the what-ifs, then you're going to have to make a choice, and you're going to have to choose courage. Choose it. When I was in the canyon, I had to choose courage. I could not succumb to those what-ifs. Because the what-ifs, they were all around me. What if one of us slips? I, these were the things I was thinking about. What if I, crippled man now, what if I lose my balance? What if a rattlesnake is on the path? Where do you go? There is no place to go. What happens if a rainstorm comes because the rain is going to come straight down and wash the path out and it can happen at any moment? What if we run out of water before we get to the next stream, to the next water source? What if, what if, what if? And if those what ifs begin to control you, what happens is you will sit there and do nothing. And if you feel yourself frozen, sitting, doing nothing, then that is, the good news is you're beginning to see now that 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 that's the hard heart, and you can actually work against that. You can begin to break out of that, and you can simply choose courage because that is a legitimate option, choosing courage. So if you're having a stormy day in the middle of your stress-filled storm, transform fear into courage and know this, God is with you guys. And let me hear you say it again. God is with you in your storm. And if you know that God's with you, it's so much easier just to say, I'm going to move forward and some courage. You see, your what ifs begin to change into this. They begin to change into, but God is with me. But God is not going to leave me. But God is not going to forsake me. Looking back to the story in verse 26, it says, when the disciples saw him, Jesus, walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost cried out in fear, and Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. These are the words from God to you today. Take the courage. Here, Jesus said, he didn't say, I now bless you with courage. He didn't say, 
pray for a while so you can maybe find courage? He said, take it. The, the picture that's there, as I studied this, I began to realize that that means that it's right in front of you. Guys, we all can just accept that courage is there. We just have to grab hold of it and take it. So, well, I don't have courage. Well, then reach out and take the courage. Don't be afraid. Grab onto it. Take it in the middle of your storm. Courage, as I began to, to read it and understand, well, what does the word courage mean? I, I, I want to know, know the truth behind this. What's Jesus saying when he's saying take courage? Well, I really found three points in here of what courage is. And now you're going to see how simple it is to take courage. Taking courage means to do this first thing. It's to simply take cheerfulness. Just to be cheerful. Just to be cheerful. Smile. Be cheery. It's like, it's like my youngest son, Ian, when he was in the canyon, just full of cheer, whistling, singing, being optimistic, you know, la, 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 walking up the trail today. <laughs> oh, we're going to die. You know, and who gets out in front and who leads us out? The cheerful one. I'm just telling you guys, that is one of the elements of courage. It is a cheerful disposition. You might say, but I don't feel cheerful. Well, take it and slap it on your face and just try because you can be cheerful in the middle of your storm. And the second part of courage is this, is it's boldness. Courage is boldness. If you're going to take courage, you're going to take cheerfulness and you're going to take boldness. Boldness is just this, this attitude of I'm going to take this step. I'm going to walk through this wall right here. I'm not going to let the circumstances control me. I'm not going to let all the things that I see around me control me. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to take these steps forward. And the other element of courage is confidence. It's just to be confident. Walk into your future. See, because a confident attitude will help you so much and will get you so far in life. It's funny, I was talking to my sons about this the other day, about one of my first jobs, and I was really nervous when I was moving to college because I had to have a job. I couldn't just go to college and just do college. I had to go to college and get a job, and I needed not just a little job, but I needed a good full-time job. So I, I, I came up here to the Metroplex when I was getting ready to get my job, and I and I, I, I had planned it. I stayed in this really cheap, like, roach motel place. And I was going to stay there a couple days and, and just apply everywhere I possibly could. And, and so I, I, I had it all set up. And I, I got up early the next morning. I got myself looking good and walked into the first place. And it was a Kroger grocery store. Walked right up there to the, to the counter. And I said, said hi, I'm, I'm going to be a student here. And it was about a month before school started because I was going to get the jobs before everyone else gets the job. So that's, I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to wait around to the last minute like the other people do. I'm getting it early. So, so I was up there a month early and I was going to get myself my job and, and, and I walked up to the, to the counter and I said, I'm going, I'm a student. I'm going to be going to school here. I'm looking for a full-time job. I would like to apply with you guys. And he said, oh, you don't need an application. Guy, this, this, and I said, well, could I have one? I, I'd like to go ahead and get it, get it filled out. He said, no, you're already hired. You, you don't need an application. I said, pardon me, sir? He said, you're hired. What day will you be here? I said, well, I should be here. He goes, okay, good. Find me. Here's my name. Here it is. Find me and come and tell me that you're here and you're hired. You can fill out your paperwork later. So I walked away from there going, 
good night. I didn't apply anywhere else. I already had myself a job. So I kind of hung out and explored the city that day and, and, and went back home, came back. Sure enough, I walked in. I said, I'm looking for so-and-so. He goes, oh, he's over there and didn't realize it, but he was the store director. And, and, and he, I just went to him and said, I'm back. You told me to come back and I would have a job. And I'm praying the whole time. God help him to remember me. He goes, oh yeah, sure. I remember you. Good, good. Here, fill this out. You, are you ready to start tomorrow? I said, yes, sir. I started my job. And after about a year, after I'd worked there for about a year, I thought, I, I've got to figure this out. So I, I knew him better at that point. And so I, so I said, sir, can you tell me why you did it the way you did and how you knew to hire me? You had not even seen an application. He said this, I'll never forget it. And I, I've always told my boys this, I said, this will help you if you just, if you just have courage. He said, you, he goes, when you walked in the door, you were cheerful and you walked with confidence, you walked with boldness. He said, when I see that in a person, I know that that's a person I can depend upon. He said, you were hired the moment I saw you walking. And it was an amazing revelation to me because that's actually the definition that we find in the Bible of what courage is. I was, I was concerned. Am I going to have a job? Can I pay my way through college? Am I going to make this happen? And watch out. I mean, bam, I prayed, yes, definitely. But when I walked in there, God kind of had it set up for me. So guys, I'm telling you, when you take courage, you don't know what's going to happen. And, and I just encourage you guys to, to, to use that cheerfulness, use that boldness, use that confidence, because it is there. Jesus said, take it. And when you take this, this, is, this becomes the opposite of a hardened heart. You no longer are letting the what-ifs rule you. And you take those ingredients for courage, and you can just begin to jettison all that other stuff that's robbing you of your cheerfulness. You can jettison the stuff that's robbing you robbing you of your boldness. You can jettison all that stuff that's in the boat that's robbing you of your confidence and get into atmospheres where these three things are built, courage and, and cheerfulness, uh, confidence, boldness, and get into these atmospheres. And that's one of the things we try to provide here. You'll see God's faithfulness begin to work in you. God's faithfulness is seen when you have courage in the middle of your storm, cheerfulness, boldness, confidence. And when you do this, this courage is going to impact because it's going to open the door for the fear in your life to be halted. And you can now begin to embrace God's intervention in your situation. All you have to do now is walk through that door if you have courage. During your storm, you halt it with your courage. You move forward. You're going to embrace God's intervention. And, and, and you're going to see God do some amazing things. So does God care? Absolutely. But he's waiting for you to take something. Take courage. Take courage. Peter, one of the disciples, he immediately reacted to that. Because when he said those words, which, which, when he heard the word courage, in their minds, they heard boldness, cheerfulness, confidence. And Peter said, okay. Well, if it's you, then tell me to come out in the water and walk. And, and so he did. Look at it here in verse 28. He said, Lord, if it's you, this is the aggressive, uh, act first, think later kind of a guy, passionate, out of the box, Peter. He said, tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said one word. He goes, come. And then Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came toward Jesus. Now, I'm telling you guys, this is a perfect picture of how courage works in the middle of your storm because you know that God's with you in the storm. You're acting on the courage that you already have to grab hold of and it's there. 
So what happened here is Peter halted his fear. He dropped his what ifs. He took courage and he stepped out in faith during the storm and he embraced this intervention of Jesus. I know some people say, yeah, but he's, he started sinking a little bit later. Oh, oh are you going to get on to Peter? I, how many times have you walked on water? Now, I've tried it before and it didn't work. But, but it, how many, I, I have never walked on water. If you have, then wonderful. Please, I'd love to. We, we'll, at the next plunge party, we're going we're gonna to like set it up so you can walk across. That will be so cool. But I'm just telling you guys, Peter was responding with this thing called courage and he was moving toward Christ. And look what it did. It opened up incredible possibilities for him. His story gets to be in the Bible. So my encouragement for you is just, hey, receive that courage and get out of the boat and start walking on water because God's in front of you right now and he's not a ghost. And Stop your what ifs. No more of the what ifs. Don't let that plague you anymore because your perfect storm, it may not be as devastating as you think it is. All you need to do is to take courage, cheerfulness, boldness, confidence, Call out to Jesus in the middle of that storm and build your faith and use your faith and make your faith practical. And you're going to begin to see to what extent uh, that your faith can actually accomplish because amazing things can happen. Just let this calmness come over you. Believe, focus on Jesus and do the things you need to do. Take the steps you need to take. Some people think, well, this, if, I'm, if I'm going to just let God do something, then I'm going to sit back and do nothing. Well, that's, that's not what I'm talking about at all, because that's not faith. In fact, I'm starting a new series next week on faith, and, and, and we're going to learn a lot about this, how faith actually works. But faith is involved with action. You have to take action and take some steps forward, but just keep focusing on Jesus and moving forward. See, Peter came to his senses. He took courage. He walked on water, and then what happened? The storm eventually calmed. Everybody lived, and a miracle took place. It's interesting, though, that the storm didn't actually stop at the moment Jesus walked up. The storm didn't stop at the moment he said, take courage. The storm didn't stop when Peter started walking on water. The storm stopped when Jesus finally got into the boat. So even though the storm may still be going and you're taking courage and you're not seeing anything change around you, you keep moving forward knowing this, God is present even though your storm may be raging. So the situation of your storm, it can change. And in this stressful storm, transform fear into courage because God is with you. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for your truth. I thank you, God, that you help us to move from fear into courage. I thank you that you've given us this example in the scriptures. And Lord, right now, I pray for those who are just beat down and discouraged and frustrated. I pray for those who are at the end of their ropes and they really don't know what to do. I pray for God, for those who are in a perfect storm right now. The winds are howling and the rain is beating and everything looks bad. The business looks bad. The home situation looks bad. The finances look bad. The cars are breaking down. The family seems to be dissolving. Emotionally, you're fragmented. You're in pain physically. It's your perfect storm. And God says, don't be afraid. I'm here. Take 
boldness and boldness and confidence. Let's walk through this perfect storm. God, let it be for us. Let it be for us. Some of you, if you're facing a storm this morning, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray over you right now just from up here. But if you'll lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'm going through a storm right now, and I'd love your prayers. Would you lift your hand and just hold it up for a second? Because I... I want to be able to connect with you so I, I can pray for you. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I can't tell you what's going to happen in your storm, but I can tell you this much. God's with you. God's with you. Lord God, I pray for every person whose hands are lifted. I pray for them by face and by name. And I ask you, Lord, to send your strength, your comfort, your help, your hope in the middle of their storm. And God, give each person courage. God, to, to even walk out here with a smile on their face, with cheerfulness. Lord, to, to leave here with confidence and, and to be bold and knock some walls down. God, I ask for that for every person who's here will be able to walk through these perfect storms and to get to the other side. God, be our very present help in our time of troubles. Let the peace of God overtake every one of us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As I wrap up today, I encourage you to remember what courage really is. And that it's yours. All you have to do is reach out and take it. Because God is with you. Transform fear. Transform fear.